Hi there and welcome. You're listening to Animals and Us, Voices of a New Paradigm. My name is Avantika and I'm a researcher exploring animal consciousness, environmental sustainability, and planetary health. I want to help bring animal perspectives to the table and transform our relationship with the natural world. And I'm Barbara. I'm an animal communicator and retired veterinarian. My true passion is exploring the hearts and souls of animals and helping people come to a much deeper understanding of who the animals truly are at their core. This podcast is for anyone who loves animals and nature and has an interest in their own personal and spiritual development. We'll bring you powerful conversations with fascinating people about animal and nature sentience, consciousness, and communication. Thank you so much for joining us on this journey of love, respect, understanding, and care for the fellow beings who share our beautiful Mother Earth with us. Hello, and welcome to Animals and Us, Voices of a New Paradigm. Today is really special for Avantika and and me, Barbara. We're going to talk about our trip to Africa, which we just got back from recently. Avantika was on the first part, which was a safari in Botswana, a mobile tented safari, I might add. And um, I went on to do a few more days in a tent in the Okavango Delta, and then went to South Africa, to Panthera Africa, a big cat sanctuary. We've already interviewed Catherine, who's a co-founder of this magical place. And I spent a month there as a volunteer. So welcome. And we're really looking forward to this and to including you with us. So just so you all know, the way that this trip even came about was um, because Barbara had this trip planned pre-COVID and for a few years, it just, it wasn't happening. It wasn't able to happen. And the trip kept getting postponed. COVID happened. And finally, she told me sometime last year, I think it was, that this trip is happening. I'm going to Africa next year. I'm so excited. Um, the one thing to know about Barbara is that she is always talking about Africa and her fond memories there and how deeply touched she's been by every trip she's been on and and there's not a day that goes by that she doesn't think about going back to Africa. So I had been hearing all this. And when she told me that the trip was finally on and happening, I asked her, hey, what, what if what if I joined you, Barbara? <laughs> and that's how it all started. She said, sure, come on, come on over. Let's go together. And that's how this whole thing started. A lot of people ask me how I ended up there and why I chose Botswana and why I chose that particular safari and I keep telling them it's because Barbara had everything planned and I just tagged along and I'm so glad I did because it was definitely something brand new for me something I'd never experienced before at the at the end of the day I look back and I'm I'm so happy that I went so Barbara let's tell everyone a little bit about what we did what this safari was actually all about that sounds great and I might add I've wanted to go to Botswana for years. I've been to East Africa and South Africa and, and Namibia and 
Um, they're all fabulous. But Botswana, for me, was true wilderness. I've, I've lived in Kenya for a year, and I've been to some of these other countries. And there are a lot of tourists, especially in the premier parks like Serengeti and Masai Mara. Um, and, and, of course, Kruger. There are a lot of people, a lot of tourists. And you almost feel at times like you're in a zoo or, or a wildlife safari park somewhere. And I wanted to experience Botswana, um, Africa, as, as it is, with animals that are truly free and not surrounded constantly by tourists. And that was my understanding of Botswana. And I chose a camping safari. I hadn't camped in several years. I didn't know what I was getting into, but it was so wonderful because we, and you can add to this, Avantika, we were able to see so many animals and so much land because we were on the road a lot. And I might say mm -hmm. the roads are not smooth highways. They're bumpy dirt roads and animals everywhere. Uh, and and it was just for me it was truly truly magical and it was so thrilling to have a Avantika join me and that was really fun we hadn't met in person after talking I was just going to add that it was our first Zoom, time meeting yeah on Zoom for like two years and so we met in Africa which was just perfect and it was just wonderful having her there. And I'm so glad I went along for the ride. Um, There's so many things that Barbara and I learned, so many wonderful experiences we had. Um, a lot of reflection happened. A lot of introspection happened individually and also collectively. And I might also add that in during our safari, we were with uh, five other people. So there were seven of us. So we had plus, a chance. Plus a guide, Isaac. Plus a guide who was with us, and you heard from Isaac a couple of episodes ago. So it was quite wonderful to not just have time to reflect on, you know, individually by ourselves, but also have these amazing conversations with other folks who came from different parts of the world. Barbara and I started talking to them about the work that we do and the conversations we have, talking about animal consciousness and communicating with them and, and the spiritual lives of animals. And it was it was really interesting to be in that group and have these kinds of discussions that a lot of them have never had before. So for me, it was a lot of fun and I had a great time, you know, seeing how they responded to what we were talking about and how they were making sense of it. And then Barbara actually went on to have her own experiences in the Okavango Delta and in South Africa. And Barbara, tell us more about what you did there after our safari ended. Sure. After our safari ended, I went on my own with a, a different guide to um, to the heart of the Okavango Delta near a place called Chief's Island. So it was several. We, we ended our trip in Mound and uh, I was in a in a vehicle with this guide and another older man, and we drove for several hours to get to the heart of the Delta. And there I camped again, and um, I had like four men taking care of me. 
because this is their this is their regular campsite and I was the only one on this part of the trip. So I was like the queen, which was pretty cool. <laughs> but I loved it up there. Um it was so secluded and so wild and so spacious and beautiful. It was probably the most um, expansive, peaceful place I've ever been. And every day I would go out on a Makoro. Avantika and I went on a Makoro earlier, but every tell day I went on a Makoro. Tell everyone what a Makoro is. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's like a wide um, rowboat, kind of used to be made from wood and now they're mostly metal. And because the delta in places is so um, shallow, a man will stand or a person will stand in the back of the Makoro with a long pole and move the boat along just by, by using his pole along the, the um, bottom of the, of the waterway. And um, you move that way, and it's so quiet. It's like gliding through this magic of of um, water and grasses and little animals, and it's just beautiful. So I did that a number of times, um, and there were just elephants. I'm in love with the elephants. There were elephants along the shores of this um, area, and they would just be eating grass contentedly for hours and hours and hours. And what they do that's so cool in the delta is they'll stand with their feet in the in the water, and then with their trunks, they'll pull up these grasses and swirl them around so water's flying everywhere. And it's to clean the grasses off, get the mud off, and then they eat the grass. And they'll do this for hours upon hours. And in the Makoro, because it's so quiet and gentle, we could get quite close to these elephants. And that was wonderful. I also went in a speedboat up there in the in the deeper parts of the delta and saw lots of crocodiles and lots of hippos. And it was just Wonderful. I also went to a village, which um, people still live in huts, and I got to see the all the villagers come out and sing and dance, and the women made uh, baskets and little carved animals, and it was just amazing. So that was for four nights, and then I went to South Africa, flew into Cape Town, and from there was driven to Panthera, Africa, which is a big cat sanctuary. And I spent a month there as a volunteer. And uh, it wasn't always easy. As Avantika can testify about Botswana, it was cold. You think you're going to Africa and it's going to be nice and warm, but it was the middle of winter and it was cold. And, uh, and and I'll just I'll just jump in for a second in case um, our listeners don't know uh, we were there well you were in South Africa in August uh-huh. and that's their winter time right so and we was, were we were in Botswana in in July, in July. Yeah. toward the end of July well not the end in the middle of July yeah. and that's and it, that's right in the middle of winter time so we got pretty cold didn't we <laughs> but it yeah. warms up during the day so here you are taking off 
literally, I would take off five layers of clothes during the day and then put them back on at night. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I won't go into huge detail, but my time at Panthera was pretty amazing. And it's a true sanctuary, which means no breeding, no selling, no trading animals. And what I was so impressed with there is that the care they give the animals, the animals always come first, no matter what. And these animals are well cared for and well loved and communicated with all the time. So they're very conscious animals. They don't have lots and lots of animals. They have 28 lions, tigers, um, caracals, a cheetah, a a, a black leopard, um, and some servals. But um, I see these animals as uh, ambassadors. And they're used that way to be ambassadors to assist animals who've been really abused. And there are plenty of them. South Africa has what are called hand hunting camps. And I won't go into the gory details, but it's places where baby animals, especially lions and tigers, are bred and raised. They're raised like cattle just stuck in these small areas. And um, often the babies are used for petting. So so tourists can come and pet these cute little animals. But what happens to these babies when they get too big to be cuddled? That's what people don't know. And they are either used for trophy hunting. These are These are animals who have been imprinted and conditioned to being with people. So they're, they're very trusting. And then people come in and pay lots of money to shoot these animals and kill them. I mean, it's ridiculous. The other thing that happens is that tigers are used for medicine in China, which is totally bogus. It's not even real, but their bones are supposed to be used as medicine, as an aphrodisiac. So there's a big market for tiger bones um, made into powders and all kinds of things in China. But because there aren't enough tigers, lion bones are used as well. So so these animals are raised, lions and tigers in Africa. Uh, tigers don't even live in Africa, but they're raised in Africa for their bones. And um it's just a terrible practice that needs to end. I learned a lot about that while I was there. But these animals have been rescued from those situations and live really as good a life as they can live in within an enclosure. The enclosures are big. They're beautiful. There's lots of vegetation and places to hide. Um, and they're as well cared for as could possibly be. And it gave me hope and inspiration that these kinds of places could actually exist. So that was wonderful for me. And I made some friendships and I grew to adore the animals there. And uh, it was, it was great. And that was my trip. Wow. And I know Barbara, it was, it was hard for me coming back uh, from my trip. It was so much shorter than yours, but it was challenging for me to transition back into my life 
Um, I can't even imagine what it was like for you. And I know we, we were communicating the whole time, but um, you know, once you do, once you have experiences like this and you spend that amount of time there, it's, it's hard to just come back and settle right into your life. You know, there's, for me, it was um, emotionally, physically, mentally challenging to get back into my day-to-day routine and just jump back into the social events and other commitments that I had. My mind and my heart were still very much in Africa with the animals in the Delta, you know, um, it took me a while to transition out of that. Yeah, it's been really hard for me. I just feel like my soul home is Africa. I love it there. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we were, you and I and and me, we were in places that were pretty remote, not a whole lot of people, not a whole lot of energy happening around around cities. And to come back, even to, I live in a small city, a real small city, not even a big city, but the energy is different and the lifestyle is different. And it's been, it's been quite a process to adjust. It really has. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's been nice. I've been back for a few months now and I've had time to really process things and to reflect on what happened there and you know, really walk away with some life lessons and experiences that will always be in my heart. And I, I personally can't wait to go back. <laughs> and I tell everyone who asks me, you know, the standard question is, how was Africa? How was your trip? And I'm always like, where do I begin? But sometimes if there's time and space, you know, I'll go into some of these specific things that uh, we're going to talk about today that I love sharing with people. So what do you think, Barbara? Should we get into it? Let's do it. Okay. Yeah. Let's begin. Why don't you start us off, Barbara? Tell us, what are what were some of your takeaways from our trip? Okay. First, I realized just how much I need wilderness in my life. I need nature. And um, it's not like, oh, it's nice to be in nature and isn't that great? It's it's a real need that I have. And I imagine a lot of people out there in our audience feel the same. It's it's a whole different deal being with the trees and being with the water and 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 the silence as opposed to being in that busy, hectic life that that we often sh- that we often share. Um Another interesting thing for me was in Botswana, there was so much wildlife. And I've been writing a book about elephants. I adore elephants. There were elephants everywhere. And lions, we saw lots of lions. And we saw all kinds of amazing animals and many babies. We saw lion babies and baboon babies and um, wild dog babies, which is quite incredible. Um, but what I what I took away from Botswana is hope that there are still places where animals can roam free and lead the lives they're meant to live. So that was really wonderful for me. So these are a couple of things that I took away from our time in Botswana. Do you do you have any takeaways, Avantika? I do. Yeah. I realized right away when I got there, and I think I told you this, Barbara, probably on, I don't know, day two or three, that one of the big messages for me in this trip was about slowing down. 
And you alluded to this a little bit about, you know, the busy city life. And that was the life, that's the life I've lived for most of most of my existence, you know, urban, busy, very deadline driven, timelines, milestones, goals, time management, productivity. And to be honest, that's probably what most of the people in my life, you know, understand and also care about. Um, But getting there and going out on these game drives and just parking the car and sitting there and watching, watching the, watching things unfold and the slow pace that nature moves at, you know, we saw this elephant drinking water and, you know, they really take their time doing each and everything and there's no rush, you know, and even, even the plants and the birds and Everything just takes its time. Nature moves at its own pace. And me coming from this busy, busy, go, go, go kind of life, it just, it was just such a big shock and such a big reminder how important it is to just slow down. And I was forced to slow down there because, you know, that's what the whole trip was about, was to watch these animals and to observe them and to really experience uh their lives uh, as bystanders and it was just lovely to have this reminder that you know things don't have to be that way things don't have to be moving at the speed of light that in the natural world things actually move very slowly and there's so much beauty in that because if you don't slow down and pay attention to those things they you know you're missing out on so much that's happening around you so slowing down was a big one for me the other thing, and you also talked about this a little bit, is being there in front of these animals and actually in their presence. I had never, I had never done anything like this before. The only time I've seen animals in my life was in zoos when I was younger, on TV, you know, mainstream media, whatever we see in videos and and on screen. Uh, that's probably about it. And that's where I've learned everything that I know about animals, you know, maybe through books and through other things like that, but that's about it. So being there in the presence of these animals in the wild and seeing their behavior, seeing how they interact with each other within their species, but also amongst the different species, um, it just gave me a whole different appreciation for their lives and who they really are. And there were so many moments where I thought, you know, I hope that everyone I know, especially all the children I know, you know, I hope they get a chance in their lifetimes to do something like this, to actually truly appreciate who animals are. Because what we learn about them is just, I think, a fraction of who they really are. And being in their presence physically just takes things to a whole different level. So those were, you know, some of my immediate takeaways that, um, that I wanted to share. Oh, you, that's Barbara? so beautiful. Yeah. yeah, and it makes me actually makes me really sad that people don't have a chance to know these animals mm-hmm. physically, personally, mm-hmm. you know, up close because they're so magnificent. And that was one of the takeaways I had too was, you know, I've worked with animals for 40 or 50 years. It's my entire 
adulthood, even even uh, before. And so I've been around them for a long time, both in captivity and in the wild and all that stuff. But for some reason, this trip, um, it was like I'd look at these animals, say a zebra or a giraffe or an elephant or whatever it was, and it was like they weren't even real. They were so beautiful, so magnificent that um, I couldn't even fully absorb it, you know? And I think for me, um, over the years working with, with, with different animals has only made my love and my appreciation for them grow. So people that don't have that opportunity to be with these animals, it's really sad. And, and I do hope that there's a way that more and more people, especially children, like you said, could experience these animals for real. Um, without having to see them in a zoo or a circus or something like that. So that was a takeaway for me was just the incredible beauty of these animals. And um, another thing that I got from our time in Botswana and later at Panthera was the value of being with like-minded, like-hearted people. You know, we had our little group of seven and, and plus Isaac, plus plus the staff who were all great. Mm -hmm. um, and then later at Panthera, I was, you know, with other volunteers from all over the world. I was actually the only person from the U.S. there. And, um, and the staff were totally committed to these animals. And it's such a blessing to be with people who share your your loves and your values and um have that kind of community so i want more of that and hopefully i think that's what we're creating here with this podcast so i'm excited about that so any other takeaways for you avantika yeah another big thing for me was realizing how how good it is for the soul to just be off the grid for a little while. Um, for those of you who are listening, if you've never had an experience like this before, um, we were in the middle of, you know, we were in the bushes, in the wilderness. We had no access to um, any kind of signal, couldn't use our phones, couldn't access Wi-Fi, um, didn't have any electricity even like it was whatever at the campsite that they they had so even in our tents we had flashlights and you know it was so rustic it was like I've never done anything like this before and um I remember just before we went off the grid I let my husband know and I let my family know you know I'll be in touch I think in like six days or something <laughs> like that you know, but I'm sure I'll be fine. And of course, they had satellite phones there. The crew had satellite phones. So if someone really needed to contact us, they could. And, you know, there was some discomfort there about not being able to reach me and me not being able to reach them. But I, I felt safe. You know, I felt, you know, it's okay. I'll be fine. Don't worry about me. And I'll get in touch with you as soon as I can. But that experience of not having that instant communication and the instant gratification even that comes with you know being on your phone checking your email being on social media none of that I like 
it was so good for me. It was so good for my soul. It was so good for me to just turn down the volume of not just, you know, the external environment in my life, but also the internal environment and the mental chatter that comes with constantly being stimulated by things and by things that are a lot of times out of our control, just because we're so connected all the time. Um, it was beautiful. Like just not even having to worry about my phone, you know, don't, don't need, don't even need to set an alarm. Don't need to check anything. Don't need to call anyone back. It was so valuable for me to just turn down that volume and listen to myself, listen to what's in my heart, listen to what's on my mind. And then to have, you know, meaningful conversations with the people I'm with and to make the most of those opportunities to get to know them and to get to know myself better. Because really, I think that's that's the rawest, most authentic version of yourself is when you're disconnected from everything. So none of those things matter. And it's just you and the person in front of you and you're having a conversation. You know, nothing else really matters. So, I mean, if, if you're listening to this and you feel like you need an experience like that, I think you should do it. You know, it's different than going away for a day or for an afternoon. I mean, those things are important. We should do it as much as we can. But having even a few days to just be off the grid where you're not able to be contacted, you have nothing else to do but to be still, I think is is so valuable for every single person. Yeah, and you know, another thing I've noticed about that very thing is staying away from the news. You know, I used to watch the news every day and get all wrapped up in it. And it's usually terrible. So so to be away from news for like almost two months was such a gift. And uh, I'm coming back slowly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Yeah. Do you have anything else to say about Botswana or I'll go on and some takeaways from, from Panthera? Yeah, I'll go through a, a few more that I have. One thing, and I know we've, we've spoken about this a little bit in Isaac's episode about how his company and the safari that we chose to work with, how they do things a bit differently and how they're so mindful about their carbon footprint. They're so mindful about um, you know, producing less waste and not leaving anything behind. And uh, I just, I realized how important it is during this trip to be mindful of that whenever we're traveling. So, you know, when you're picking a company to work with and you're picking a hotel to stay at, when you're, when you're selecting a safari to go on or whatever, or where to eat, even whatever elements are there in your planning, I think if we can keep that in mind and support the people who are doing things differently, who are being more eco-conscious, and that's, it's not just something they're saying, but they're actually doing it. And it's, it's, it's an important part of every single thing that they do. I think that's so valuable and so needed right now uh, to not just do things mindlessly, but to really take the time to do that research. And I'm so grateful, Barbara, that you chose you know, this, um, this particular trip and, and however they planned it for us was wonderful to see that. I mean, even on our drives, our guide would stop the car if he saw a plastic bag flying around in the wind or like a wrapper somewhere. And 
you know, it was just a, such a clear message he was sending. He didn't have to say anything to us, but, you know, such a clear message that he cares about this. His company cares about this. They care about the environment and they see themselves as being a part of that, you know, and it's their responsibility to take care of it. So I think just being mindful of our carbon footprint while we're traveling is really important. And that leads me to my next takeaway, which was, I think this was a message, Barbara, you and I both got loud and clear from the animals was how much we as humans need to take care of the earth. And the role that we have to play is so important in doing that because we have the ability to do that. We have the resources to do that. Um, and they depend on us to do that and to do it well. So, you know, while, while you're there and you're looking at elephants and zebras and giraffes, and it seems like they, there's a whole different life that they're living and you're in a different part of the world, I realized how much all of us are connected. You know, even if you can't see that right away or it's not that obvious in your day-to-day -day life back home, we are all so connected and they depend on us to do a good job protecting the earth, protecting our resources, protecting the natural environment. Um, because if we don't do that properly, then they can't thrive, they can't survive. So there's a fine balance in nature and we are we need to see ourselves as the guardians of that and protect the earth, um, take good care of it because they can't do that. They can't do what we do in many ways and so we have that responsibility, right? Like with great power comes great responsibility, like Spider-Man says. It's so true. Uh, and every individual needs to recognize their own power and their own responsibility. It's not someone else's issue. It's not like something we can wait for the government to fix or for scientists to fix. It's like, what can you do right now to take more responsibility, to take better care of the planet? Um, and then I love, yeah. can I... Can I add something? I love that you said that. And you know what it reminds me of, Avantika? Mm -hmm. There was a time when we were sitting in the vehicle and we were watching this elephant drink from, from this little pool. And both of us tuned in. I didn't get a whole lot of communication because I was so involved. But I did tune into this elephant, and you did too, Avantika. And we both got this very same message about taking care of the earth. He, mm -hmm. That's what the elephant was trying to relate to both of us at the same time, which was pretty cool. It was really cool. And, yeah. you know, it's such a simple message, but it's so important. And it, there's a lot of depth to that one statement, you know, uh, like they're telling us that they need us to take good care of the earth. They recognize that we have the ability to do that and they depend on us for it. Yeah. It was so powerful. Yeah, it was. And uh, the last thing I'll share is just that I've always believed this and my trip to Africa just reaffirmed this for me that new experiences are good for us. I did so many things there that I've never done before. I was embarrassed to share this, but I'd never even been camping before in my life. And, um, this was like camping to the extreme, you know, like I went from zero to hundred <laughs> and so many things I did. There were new experiences, but it's so good for us to do that. Pushing, pushing ourselves to go beyond our comfort zones. And I know Barbara, you did that for sure. 
in many ways on this trip. And there were other folks on our trip who I know, you know, they were out of their comfort zones doing what we did. Whether or not it's challenging, whether or not we love it, I think any new experience is good for us. So if anyone's listening out there considering doing something that's outside of their comfort zone, something they've never considered doing before, think about doing it because I think it really expands our horizons. It shows us new things about ourselves, it pushes our limits a little bit, and we come out stronger, wiser, um, definitely more grounded for me. And I learn new things about myself when I do when you know when I engage in new activities and new experiences so that was a big one for me that's very cool and uh, like you said I too was out of my comfort zone in a lot of ways one that that I would like to talk about just very briefly is when I went to Panthera Africa um, I was a volunteer and volunteers changed over the month, you know, but sometimes there'd be seven of us or five of us or whatever. And I got there and there were seven of us. And we were living in this big house um, that was unheated. And we were all cooking together. We each made our own dinners separately. Um, and so we were all cooking in the kitchen at the same time. And I'm used to living a really quiet life. I live alone and, and I'm quite a bit older. And so it was kind of weird trying to fit in with these people who are 20 and 30. And um, I'm closer to 70 some. And uh, it was very strange. And I was trying to fit in and the music was different. The culture was different, you know, and it was just kind of awkward at first. But over time, I. I just started loving these people that I was with. And what I came out realizing, which was huge for me, is I'm now an elder. And I don't have to fit in and pretend I'm 20 years old. I can be myself. I still have lots of energy and can do lots of stuff. But I can be the elder. And I taught people about animal communication. I worked with some people with their pets and all that stuff. And in the end, some of the people told me I was inspiring for them, which was so wonderful to think that I could take on this role now. And um, it's kind of a new way of looking at myself. So that was pretty cool. And the other thing that I got from Panthera especially was learning about the lion and tiger trade, as I've already mentioned, and, and the value of true sanctuaries. And something shifted in me. I have more confidence in myself. I'm more willing to stand up for what I think is right and more willing to be an animal advocate in I don't know about activists, but I'm kind of getting there, you know, just standing up for the animals in this way and um, more than I ever have been. So that was another gift that I received from, from this experience. And finally, I would like to say that I had such a beautiful, special connection with these big cats. That's why I decided to volunteer for a month. <laughs> And um, I just fell in love with them. And there was one white lion. I've been with white lions before. And somehow I have this very deep, special connection with white lions. And I fell in love with this one. His name is Oliver. 
And I did communicate with Oliver while I was there, as well as some of the other animals. And what I came out with was really strong inspiration to write a book about these animals. And I even talked to another animal communicator who I really, really respected there. And I think she's going to collaborate with me. So I'm excited about communicating with these animals, talking about who they are and what their needs are, and mentioning this terrible trade that many animals are suffering from and just getting on with it. So that was a huge takeaway for me. Well, I can't wait to read that, Barbara. So excited to read that. And I would love if you could also share with us a little bit about just energetically what what the animals were like in the sanctuary. Like when you were communicating with them and in their presence every day, you know, anything you want to share with us about what they're like on a spiritual level or what their energy is like just being around them? Catherine spoke a little bit about this, but you... You were there, yeah. You know, um, when I'm physically active and present with animals like I was, you know, we were doing physical work every day and going here and going there. There wasn't a whole lot of time to talk to the animals, but I did some. Mostly I just sat with them and watched. There's this deep sense of love and um, gratitude for them and from them. And as I said, people communicate with these animals a lot. So they're very conscious beings at that level. And even though it could be a sad situation to see them behind these electrified fences, um, I really get the sense that these particular animals know exactly why they're there. And they're deeply appreciative to be there because they've all had not the best lives before they came to this place. So I see them as true ambassadors for their kind. And re- they they seem, some many of them seem to love people. There were animals there that don't love people. They've had enough. And they're behind the scenes. So the, the, the education programs and the volunteers don't really work with them. But the other ones will walk along the fence with you and they make little like tigers make this sound called chuffing where they go, where they make this cute little sound, letting you know that they're happier there. And um, it was just and and there was one uh, caracal. Caracals are smaller cats. They're native to Africa and they've got these huge, tufted, beautiful ears. And um, there was one there called Max. He was such a character. And he loved it when you'd walk back and forth with him and he would roll on his back like a little kitty cat and just be so happy. And if you, through um, enrichment, which is people every day make these enrichments, which are cardboard boxes and paper, colored paper and this and that for the animal's entertainment. If you throw something to Max, he will jump. It seems like 12 feet in the air. And catch things in the air. He's so cute. So it was just a a really beautiful experience to be with these animals. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I feel like I was there. So thank you for going into detail. Um, And I hope our listeners too can sort of, I hope you all felt a little bit like you were there with us on these experiences. Yeah. 
And definitely if anyone listening has the inclination, or if you've been before even, we would love to hear from you. Um, You know, if you have any questions for us, if you are interested in knowing what we did, where we went, um, which companies we, we went with, let us know because we would love for other people to have similar experiences. So thank you so much, everyone, for tuning into this episode and hearing us chat and reflect on our our journey in Africa. We had a wonderful time, and it was really nice to relive those memories with you through this podcast episode. Barbara, any final words from you? Yes, thank you for joining us as we rehash some of these great adventures. And um, I only hope that you can experience something like this yourself because it will change your life. Yes, it's wonderful. Absolutely. And I just want to thank all the animals that were there that we saw who shared their lives with us uh, for that brief moment and taught us so many things. I'm so very grateful and for the land and for all the wildlife, for the trees, the plants, the birds, um, the insects, uh, just for welcoming us into their home and for allowing us to see a little bit of their lives. I feel so grateful to have had the opportunity to do that. And so before we end off today, we'd like to share a brief prayer for the animals with you. We'd like to end this podcast by taking just a moment to be quiet. And we give thanks and blessings to these amazing animals that we share our lives with. They give us so much and ask for so little in return. We hope that you can keep the animals and all living beings in your heart and in your mind as you go about your day. Thank you so much for being here with us today.